Alrighty. Ooh, there's reverb. <laughs> there we go. Mute there the computer. Go. There's always some setting that I forgot <laughs> to change. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday deep dive. My name is Nick Griffin. I'm the lead pastor here at Wayfarers Christian Church. I'm joined, as always, by our teaching pastor here, Noah Randolph. Hey. And we have a special guest again this week. Very special guest. <laughs> Jacob Dooley. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Jacob, if, you, if, you've been a, if, if you're an OG Deep Dive fan and you've been watching for us for a long time, you'll remember Jacob from a few months ago. But Jacob also works with us here at Wayfarers, does all kinds of really cool online social media stuff. Um, he runs our TikTok page. So if you guys have not followed us on TikTok yet, yeah. go follow his page. It's at... What's bearded like underscore Christian. Bird yes. for that. Is it like you tick the talk? Or like, what do TikTok people say or? when they watch TikTok? Do they just like say, I watch TikTok? Or do you, yeah. Do you like? Yeah. Yeah, I watch TikTok. Yeah. That's, that's you the question. Pull quick. up the, yeah. the, the talk or you pull <laughs> up the tick? Yeah. You, you, you sound like all the 50 year olds on the end. That's exactly what you sound like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on TikTok, as you can <laughs> probably tell. I know it does not take the talk so no he does not no he does not <laughs> unlike us but yeah if you have not had a chance to uh follow us yet on there i definitely uh would encourage you to do that and you'll see a lot more of jacob there but we thought it'd be oh, yeah. cool to bring him on today uh on this deep dive podcast if this is your first time tuning in this podcast is kind of our opportunity to do exactly what the title says. We go a little bit deeper on some of the topics that we have been covering in our Sunday services. We try to talk about some of the issues that would be a little bit too involved to talk about during a sermon or during a Sunday service. And um, we just kind of use it as an opportunity to get to know each other a little bit better and you know talk about some things that are important to us. Um, we are actually nearing the end of our series on the Sermon on the Mount. It has been we are the close, entirety yeah. of this year we have been focusing on the Sermon on the Mount. We've only got a few paragraphs left right there at the end, yeah, a few major sections. Yeah. So it's like uh, from January to April, so about yeah. four months. Yeah. 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 So we've just been taking it verse by verse. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And last Sunday, I uh, preached specifically on... Um, uh, a section that I, I talked about, at least in my church experience, people just skip over this passage when they're preaching mm -hmm. Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, a lot of it was exactly. because of a fear of being lumped in with people, uh, part of the prosperity gospel, um, because it's a it's a difficult passage to reconcile. And it's the one where Jesus says that if you ask something, ask and you will receive, you know, is kind of the big key phrase that starts it. And... Um, he goes on to sort of justify that point by pointing out the fact that um, we know how to give good gifts to our children. If our children ask us for something, we're not going to give them something evil in return or in exchange. And he's like, if we know how to do that, if we know how to treat our kids good and give them good gifts, then of course God's going to do the same with us. So it's one of those passages that should be encouraging. <laughs> it should be something that's really encouraging. And that was one of the angles I tried to take with it this last Sunday was just being like, um, I don't want to sweep that under the rug. I do want to like really affirm that truth that Jesus is saying. And in some way or another, he does say that, um, God wants to give us the things that we ask of him and that he's a good father who gives us good gifts. And I think that's really important. But I sort of spent the la latter half of the sermon talking about the, there are, though, we have to admit, the difficulty, and one of the other reasons people skip over this passage, is that there are times in our lives when we do not receive the things that we ask mm. for. When we ask God to do something, and it seems like he does not answer our prayer. And there's lots of answers that Christians will give as to why that happens. Why does this thing happen that seems to violate what... Jesus says himself in this passage, and I covered a couple of them in uh, the sermon, but we wanted to take this opportunity to talk about some of the other answers that people might give, and this is the deep dive, so we're going to dive deep. We want I, I, I pitched it as we want to talk about some of the, maybe the, a uh, little more dense, a little more theologically dense, a little more biblically dense type answers to that question. 
um, that we could give. But so that's what we're going to do today. But before we do the deep dive and dive in, um, we got Jacob on. We've been occasionally at the beginning. We used to do these um, quirky query get to know you questions all the time. We thought it'd be fun to bring that back for this week's episode again. Hopefully we can get some interesting answers from Jacob. So this is our get to know you section. Quirky queries. Noah, you said you've got one for us, right? I do. I do. This will require a story from everyone that hears the question. Um, I was thinking about this and I'm not, I don't know if I know either of y'all's answers on this, which usually I know Nick's. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, Have, have either of you experienced something that you would qualify as a miracle? And if so, what is that story? And it doesn't have to be like the most obvious miracle in the world, but um, a case in which I, our theme today is God answering prayers. And oftentimes in the Bible, at least, God will answer prayers through miracles. And so I was just curious if either of you have stories of uh, any type of thing like that it didn't have to be wildly supernatural. It could be just, you know, something occurring that was natural, but happened to answer one of your prayers. Um, yeah, I'm just curious story wise. I think we'll start with Nick because I imagine he has an answer more prepped than maybe Jacob because sure. I sprung it on him. <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking personally or just stories we've heard? Um, it can be, I, I would say personally, since this is about getting to know everybody. Yeah, because um, yeah. I have heard some cool stories mm-hmm. like that um, from other people that I've known mm-hmm. about the sort of miraculous answers to prayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as like really like wow you kind of situations, I can't think of any huge ones like that off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. One, though, that I do reference a lot that was a really foundational time for me was um, – I've told this story in a sermon before. It was just a few weeks ago, actually. It was um, the story about how I, how we came up with a name for Toby, for gotcha. our son. Um, so if you want the full story, mm-hmm. uh, how long ago is that? Like a month ago, maybe? It might have been a month ago, yeah. You can go back in our feed um, where I'll, I'll, I'll give you more of the full story there, but... The short version of it basically was just that I was going through a season of a lot of uh, anxiety issues and a lot of religious um, turmoil. Like I had a lot of issues Mm. as I was trying to like theologically deal with certain things and what I thought about God and um, became pretty convinced that one of the biggest solutions I needed was I needed to be convinced that God was good, that God cared about me, that he was a good father, all this stuff that Mm -hmm. we just talked about in this sermon on Sunday. And I didn't talk about it much on Sunday, but this is one of my favorite verses in the Sermon on the Mount because of all of that, Mm. because this was super important to me. It it was one of those freeing truths that really helped me, changed me up, changed the difficulties I was having in my life was when I learned to really trust that God is a good father. Mm. So if you tune in a lot, you'll hear me harp on those points a lot, but it's because they're personally important. So I knew that that was something that was important to me. I needed to trust and learn that God was good, but I was having a hard time with it. You know, it's one thing to read it in the Bible. It's a different thing to have your life experience back it up. Mm-hmm. And we were at the Bible Museum, the Museum of the Bible in D.C. We were visiting some family members, and they had a display that had... Bible names on it, and this was right before um, our son Toby was about to be born. I was there with Adrian, and we still had not figured out a name for him, and it was like a month out before he was going to be born. It was kind of near in the wire, (laughs) and um, I was like, oh, this would be a cool place to find a name for, you know, for Toby, and it was like this big touch screen. You can like sit there and scroll through the touch screen, and I can't tell you exactly what the prayer was, but I just, it was kind of one of those quick, you just throw up a quick prayer kind of thing where I was Mm. just asking God to help us pick a name. And we scrolled, we clicked, we stopped. And the name we stopped on was Tobias, the name of our son, Tobias. Mm -hmm. Toby is what we call him. But what's really impactful is that that name means the Lord is good. And it was one of those moments where it really felt like God knowing that I needed something a little bit more to really be convinced of that 
And so he was like, here's this little thing. Name your son this. Every time you say his name, you'll be reminded of that truth. And so it was like a prayer. Was ask, I was asking God, help us name our son. And he answered that prayer along with so many of my other prayers before, which was mm. like, help convince me that you are good. All that kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah, that was pretty impactful. Yeah, so. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's good to retell it even. Yeah, if you have already. For so. sure. I think that's great. What about you, Jacob? Um, well, as I was sitting here trying to really think of um, one specific time, really, honestly, a lot of my life has just been a continuous miracle hmm. um, in the way that um, I haven't always had a whole lot of money. My family hasn't always had a whole lot of money, um, yet... Uh, my dad always says he wish he has the same favor I do with God mm. um, because just about any time I need something, someone somewhere all just is getting rid of that. Mm-hmm. Or a mm. uh, couple examples that are just from my life scattered about. Um, for a while in high school, um, my bed was an air mattress. Mm. Um, I didn't have a physical bed. I slept on a floor in the, with an air mattress. Um, and one day... Uh, one of the men in the church that we were going to told me to go to this place. Um, and when I went, it was a mattress store. Um, and so they had me try out like three of the best mattresses they had for a twin size bed. And then they just put it in the back of my truck um, for free. Um, I don't know if the other guy paid for it or not. Yeah. I don't know the full story on that end, but I know what happened to me was I was provided a mattress out of nowhere. Hmm. Um, which I still use to this day. Yeah. Um, another one is my car. Um, I worked all summer, uh, right before I came here, uh, to mid South Christian college. Um, I worked all summer to save up to buy a new car cause my truck quit. Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to get the money out of the bank so I can just have it in my hand mm-hmm. in case I come upon a vehicle that I can buy. And the moment I was leaving the bank, I received a message for somebody saying they'll sell me their car for that much money. For the exact amount you had in your hands. Um, That's awesome. And I looked at it. It was good. It's the car I drive now, you know, four years later, you know, almost four years later. Um, And uh, in the spirit of like talking about, you know, God being a good father, um, he's been that multiple times throughout my life. Um, In the times was like when you're growing up, you kind of trust your dad will get you what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you have clothes because your dad went to the store and bought. Well, mm-hmm. usually it's your mom, but yeah. you know, <laughs> someone reminded your right. dad to go do it. Uh, but, you know, you're always provided for growing up by your parents usually. And so that's that was my experience with God mm-hmm. um, growing up and in my life. Anytime I ever needed something, um, it was provided for me in some, yeah. uh, in some way that's not always uh, super explainable yeah. or whatever. Hmm. It's just like randomly something will happen. Somebody will contact me and be like, Hey, I have this thing. Yeah. Like, well, I was just looking for that thing and uh-huh. this will be a great way for me to get it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's a great example. That's what your dad said. He's like, man, I yeah. wish, I wish I had that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we always, we always, I was like, I don't need to know how to work on a car because if my car breaks down, all of a sudden somebody shows up in my life's like, yeah, I'll look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. No, that's a great example. Do you have one, Noah? Yeah. Um, this is, I've told bits and pieces of it to people, but I don't know if I've ever told the full story. Uh, most of you know that have been tuning in every week that uh, if you're, like Nick said, an OG member of uh, the Deep Dives, <laughs> uh, uh, we... I worked at a coffee shop for a very long time called Avenue Coffee, and uh, oh yeah, it comes up again. I know, I know, we get we get bugged all the time for how many times. How many times Avenue, can Avenue you mention coffee. Avenue Coffee in one episode? <laughs> but um, well, one of the things that was really difficult for me in that was uh, my time managing it. Um, when I began to manage it, I uh, found out that uh, the business was not doing so well. Uh, the first day that I opened up the bank account and got all the information and looked at everything, uh, we had negative $4,000 in the bank account. So that was a fun day. Um, and so for the next year, I was responsible <laughs> for uh, how to take a business that had 
not just no money, but was negative in money mm. to, you know, a place where I didn't have to worry about paying employees on time and things. Um, and I will say that before taking that position and after my prayer life looked radically different. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll never forget, uh, we were not doing so well because I took over in uh, around March. And summer is notoriously the slow season for coffee shops, uh, if you don't know. Most people like to go and walk in parks. They don't like hot drinks, and usually the hot drinks are like what sells better than the cold drinks. Uh, Avenue, I didn't realize this at the time, but Avenue would always do cold brew for all of our drinks. And uh, if you know anything about coffee, uh, you know that ratios are smaller for cold brew than they are for like hot liquids and so you lose money just it's like your most expensive drink like to make most, yeah it's the most expensive drink to make is cold brew and so you lose more money when you're making like an iced latte if you're using cold brew than if you were using like a shot of espresso or something like that and so we were losing a lot of money in the summer anyway and uh, uh, we were hoping for fall because fall is always like our best months and uh, I didn't think we were going to make it like I, I was started in March with $4,000 in the negative. Uh, we basically had April left, and then it would be May, June, and July, which were all our worst months um, business-wise. And so, yeah, I, I basically had to figure out how am I going to keep this place going in our worst three months. Uh, and uh, the interesting thing was... Uh, as I was like praying to God every night and just like really like pouring my heart out, um, I didn't get an answer right away. Um, May was what we expected May to be, but somehow we survived. I learned a lot of how to ma manage finances and move money around so that things got paid on time. But uh, seemed like, in some ways, I would say that was the small miracle. Is that everything? I'm still not sure how everything got paid, um, but everything did. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. and you know, we, we definitely did not make a profit that month. Uh, but, uh, I was able to get through May and, uh, in June, uh, we, I was kind of at my wits end always on June 4th is when rent was due and rent was always our basic biggest expense. It was like $3,750. Um, and generally what would happen is I'd spend everything paying off the employee bills you know i'd pay my employees for their payroll and i'd have zero dollars by june 1st and so i'd need three thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars by the fourth um and sometimes god would show up and the landlord wouldn't cash that check until like the 10th or 11th or 12th and so the money would come in by that time sometimes things didn't happen that way and he would cash it immediately and you just had to pray but um i'll never forget uh one moment I can't remember exactly when it happened, maybe in June 15th. We'd gotten through the landlord check and everything was fine there, but uh, uh, I didn't have enough for payroll. I didn't really have enough for some expenses, and I was trying to fix some things at Avenue, and it just felt like really discouraged that uh -huh. all of this was not going to work out and that I'm failing everybody here. And uh, I got a check in the mail from MLGW uh, that uh, was a $2,000 check. <laughs> um, as a uh, basically it was like a rebate for we had done like a security deposit from MLGW way back in the day when we had started the accounts and everything like that and so we had proven ourselves as a business for a couple of years and we're like okay you can Here's get your, your security, security deposit, deposit check back hmm. and uh, yeah I was able to after that $2,000 check that really was what kept us going through the summer and uh, into the next fall and spring spring terms so um that was i would say the moment when i really knew that god at least was with me in in what i was doing and that he w wasn't like just leaving me out to dry yeah mm. yeah. yeah that's great and you've told me several times yeah that that whole experience at avenue really helped your prayer mm -hmm. life in yeah. general so yeah <laughs> like you said so no that's good those are all really good examples, I think, mm -hmm. from our own lives. That's really cool. That's a great question to lead into what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to give Garrett Moss a shout out to you. He's waved at us. He's watching. <laughs> hey, Garrett. <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> Wave creepily. <laughs> Somebody meme that. <laughs> I'll get on it. 
<laughs> we'll make it happen. So what we wanted to talk about was some of the answers for when we don't feel like God answers our prayers. Mm-hmm. And we all, I'm sure, could also share just as many stories of, of God not, God answering, not answering our prayers. Yeah. And so there's been different ways that um, Christians have responded to that problem mm. over the centuries. I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that the Bible itself is aware of this hmm. issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think sometimes people feel like they're the first ones that have figured this out and they don't realize that we're going on several thousand years where human beings have been in this relationship with God and yeah. it is something that has come up hmm. at other points in time. Uh, Noah, you've helped me see a lot of times in the Old Testament where that is the exact thing that the people are saying sometimes. Yeah. They're just yeah. like saying... Oh, yeah. They're directly saying to God, why aren't you answering us when we're yeah. talking to you? Especially if you've read the Psalms. The Psalms, I feel like, have that more mm-hmm. than any other book in the Bible. Yeah. There's uh, Psalm 88 and Psalm 89. Uh, if you haven't read those Psalms yet, go read those Psalms. And I think if you're in a place where you feel like God is not answering, you will feel very much heard after reading those songs. Psalm 88 and 89. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a, good, that's a good reference. Yeah, we there. could read mm-hmm. it if you wanted to. It's your... Sure. Do we have time? That um, seems perfect. Because yeah. that, that, that's kind of my first point I wanted to make was just like the Bible itself does address some of these issues. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because sometimes I think people feel like they have to come up with some sort of philosophical, apologetics, theological answer for this. And sometimes one of the best things we can do is go straight to... Yeah the history of people dealing with this particular issue that you see Mm -hmm. a lot in uh, the Bible itself. So, um, like that's just kind of been important to me. You got it pulled up? Yep. Uh, It's not a long psalm at all. It's only got like 10, 13, 18 verses. That's not bad. Um, O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, In the regions dark and deep, your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a whore to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They they close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Hmm. So it's a very dark psalm. Yeah. (laughs) And it's probably surprising to people sometimes to realize that that, that's That's in the Bible psalm. And it's not like it ends with some like, but oh, don't worry, I'm still going to praise you Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, It is a psalm that just shows the real depths of what someone is feeling and how they feel Mm -hmm. as somebody who is um, feeling like God is not listening to them. Yeah. And so that would be the first place I would tell a lot of people to start is just look 
through some of these mm-hmm. passages in the Bible and realize that you um, are not alone in feeling this way mm-hmm. and that other people have uh, felt that way before mm-hmm. as well. Now, related to that, there's actually a whole book of the Bible <laughs> that deals with this particular issue really well. We were talking about it right before um, we uh, went on camera here. And Jacob, you were bringing up a little bit um, that one of your responses to a lot of people would be to reference a particular book of the Bible. And what Tell us a little bit about what your approach would be as far as that goes. Yeah, so um, for a while, one of my favorite books of the Bible was Job. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole story revolves around a guy who is called blameless before mm-hmm. God, by God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does all the right things. He, he's tried to bring up his children in the right way. He sacrifices to God regularly. Um, yet he loses everything in this, um, according to the book, in, in a matter of, of, of a day. Yeah. Everything is stripped from him. Mm-hmm. Um, his children, his livestock, his land, his servants, all things that he's known and come to care for is just gone. He's, um, his health is gone and he's just left wondering why God has all of a sudden abandoned him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he prays and he, and he tells everybody, I just, I just want to get things straightened out with God. Um, he, he feels so alone and, and abandoned by God. Um, and that's what the majority of the book is, mm-hmm. him just lamenting that God has either made a mistake or he's done something he doesn't realize, but he, can't, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what it is. Um, and he has friends that tell him, hey, don't say God made a mistake. You just need to accept this and realize you've been cast out. Right. Um, his wife comes to him and says, just curse God and die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then God answers him mm-hmm. later in the book. And he says, Hey, you know, where were you when I was forming mm-hmm. the earth? Where were you when I was creating these majestic creatures that live and walk on the earth next to you? And the basic answer with that is that, um, God has a bigger plan. God sees more than we can. Our perspective is not always what God sees. Um, God has created such a beautiful world for us to enjoy. Um, surely we can trust that he has a plan for what's coming out of what we're doing. Yeah. And, and that's a, uh, a really good one to, bring people to for mm-hmm. all of those reasons that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Cause I've always said there's two big things I think you can get out of the book of Job. There's a million good things, but yeah. you know, yeah. two of them that I like to emphasize. One is that, um, I think the book of Job is basically like the Bible's proof that not everything that you are suffering is because of anything you did. Yeah. It, that suffering is not just, Mm-hmm. a punishment for something bad that you did. Mm-hmm. And that's something that most human societies have had a really hard time wrestling with. Um, I think people call it the ret- retribution principle, which mm-hmm. is just that like, if you are going through suffering, it's be- you're suffering for something that you mm-hmm. did. Yeah. And something interesting that somebody pointed out to me once is that almost most human cultures have had some version of a retribution principle and that's where a lot of the ways that they've dealt with the gods and a lot of other religions, you know, whether they call it karma, whether they call it, Mm. um, uh, punishment or discipline, they all kind of have this idea that like, well, you go through bad things in life because it's, it's either punishing you or shaping you for something that you did. Mm. And one of the kind of shocking things is that, the book of Job is an example of a man who does nothing to deserve everything that happens to him. And yet it still happens to him. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of depressing, but freeing in a way, because I know a lot of people, maybe people with low self-esteem, people who feel certain ways about themselves, who will just be convinced that what they difficulties they're going through is because they did something and they deserve this. And I think that's one of the main things that a scholar I was reading really pointed out that, a lot of people believe Job may be one of the first 
oldest books in the Bible, you know, one of the mm, first ones written. Yeah. And from the beginning, basically, in the Jewish Christian world, it was very important to them to say not uh, all suffering is some sort of result of something that you have done. Um, and so that's really important, I think, thing to get out of it. And that second point is the one that you were kind of hinting at there at the end with God's answer. But it's not the happy answer we wish would be at the no, end of Job. No, no, no. But it is an important one, I think, for us to mm-hmm. emphasize sometimes, mm-hmm. which is that we often are not in a position where we would even be able to see or understand what it is that God is doing. And it's not really right of us sometimes to ask Mm. to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, what's interesting about that is like, um, you know, Job is part of the wisdom literature and the wisdom literature is a collection. Sometimes some people say it's four. Some people say it's three. I say it's four. It's, Job, um, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Um, Those kind of books all I see as working in together and processing this question. Proverbs deals with basically what your sermon was, which Mm -hmm. is that God's going to be good to you, and he's going to give you what you need and what you want if Mm -hmm. you follow after him. And you can read Proverbs today. It's really easy to do, and you'll see that it's just a bunch of a father telling his son, which again, yeah. God is father, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of father telling his son, son, if you do these things, good things are going to happen to you, right? Um, and then the next book, Ecclesiastes, is the flip side of that same coin in which Ecclesiastes makes the startling statement, yeah, but life is chance and the rain falls on the good and the bad alike. And it's not always, it's not always happy, sunny, ri- mm-hmm. you know, rosy day. And basically calls into question everything that Proverbs has said up to this point and saying, I'm not sure that it's always a case. And then Job is the outworking of both of those two books in looking at one person's story, one individual story of he did everything right. He followed everything that Proverbs, he followed all the Proverbs. And instead of getting good things, he got bad things, right? Um, and what does that look like for someone to go through that process? And what is God doing in that uh, mindset? And the reason I think Song of Solomon should be included in that is the very next book in it is the finishing of that in which you realize that love and true love, both in the sense of God loving humanity and a husband loving his wife, mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. only thing that keeps us centered in belief towards what we're going towards right so it's like the the answer to job i feel like is not just sit down and shut up Mm -hmm. because that's what you would get if you just stopped at job Mm -hmm. but i think the answer is sit down wait and then the full love that you're hoping for will come to its uh continuance in Mm -hmm. song of solomon Mm -hmm. yeah so hopefully i I don't know i just wanted to uh, give you an idea of the the wisdom literature that i think that those four books bring is really kind of pushing that that whole journey of faith in a lot of ways. Uh, and you can kind of see this too even with the story of Israel and how everything works in the Bible. It's like you start out with uh, a young idealistic Israel in Joshua that's like, oh, yeah, we'll follow all the laws of, the laws of Leviticus and we'll be able to do all of this stuff, right? And then they get to mm-hmm. Israel and they fail and... Things don't go out according to plan, and reality hits. Right? Is that they're they're sinners? They're broken. They can't they can't follow all of the laws mm-hmm. like they thought they could. And uh, then they get exiled, and they get treated horribly in exile, even though they have returned to following God, which is kind of the Job story, right? And it doesn't come to any sort of finish until Christ comes on the scene and dies for them as a statement of love, which I mm. think is like the Song of Solomon story. So there are multiple ways that you can kind of see that working out. But, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the, the piece that I'm just starting to realize in my own life mm. is that it doesn't have to end with Job, you know? It doesn't right. have to yeah. end with just sit down and shut up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, right. It, it, it can continue on towards love. And that's the cool thing about 
taking the Bible as a whole and reading mm-hmm. all yeah. of the different books and all the answers that it has and stuff like that, um, you can kind of get that kind of more complete and full answer mm-hmm. all the way through. So that's definitely something we always talk about, you know, don't just stop <laughs> in yeah. one place and, you know, or another. But um, I do think that there is an order sometimes that those things need to go in. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes we have to recognize our place before you can get to some of the other things. And so that, yeah. so I think they kind of go in that order and different things like that. Um, but obviously outside of the scriptures themselves, all the people who have been living in relationship with God for all these thousands of years have been wondering about this same question mm. themselves. Yeah. And, um, there have been different people that have offered different answers at different points in time. Um, I really appreciated, uh, uh, Noah, you shared with me earlier today mm-hmm. about a book that you've been reading yeah. that deals with this, um, particular topic mm-hmm. um and so tell us about that book um you're not finished with it yet right no, so you don't know no. the like full i don't know the full story yet. um but but it, uh, even a little bit of what you've gotten out of it seems to have been really really helpful for it's, you it's and i really think it would good. be helpful for the people yeah tuning it's, in it's a book entitled god on mute and uh i downloaded it on audible so i'm ashamed to say i don't even know the author's name i'm gonna have to look that up <laughs> uh, hold on i'll google it real quick <laughs> um I got it off of a recommendation from someone on Facebook that said this is just a really good uh, um, audiobook, and uh, so I. Uh, uh, Pete Craig. Pete Greg. Pete Greg. Okay. God on mute, engaging the silence of unanswered prayer. Yep. Mm. Uh, and uh, several people have recommended it because they kind of pitched it as this is not your typical Christianese book, mm. where you get like the same old, same old answers. Um, and, uh, so I was really interested in it and picked it up. And, um, so far the story has been about his own life of struggling with God, not answering prayers. Um, and also tackling this question of when God doesn't show up for other people. Um, and his story so far has been that, uh, his wife was diagnosed with a brain tumor um, that caused her to have like seizures and she's having to go into surgery where they're having to remove this brain tumor. It's the size of an orange. Uh, and like, wow. it's just really, it's not looking good. And I haven't gotten through all that to see like how the story pans out. Uh, but, um, he's been talking about how he's been praying a lot during it. And, you know, she just seems to be getting worse. And I get a feeling that, as the story progresses, it's not about her recovering, so to speak, but about him dealing with the fact that she's going to be changed for the rest of her life, you know? Um, he told this really moving story of how when they found out she was going to have to have surgery and they're going to have to remove this huge tumor, she wrote, like, she had children already, and mm-hmm. so she wrote, like, last letters mm-hmm. to her children um, and to her husband just in case the surgery doesn't go well. And mm-hmm. she, like... Um, uh, I thought this was really moving. They like took like last photos of everyone just in case that ev- all, all the kids would have like photos of their mom if she were to pass. And hmm. uh, it's just a lot of moving things that like you don't you, the details of it. He does a really good job of describing the details, but he also is trying to talk to you, the reader, as you're listening to it. Just trying to figure. He's trying to explain what grief feels like you know mm-hmm. and you can tell he's done his research he's read like um c.s lewis comes up quite a bit in this book um and uh you know a grief observed is a huge one when it comes to the process of understanding um, brokenness and grief and um uh, he talks a lot about um the holocaust actually um hmm. and the process he he said he he says something that I thought was really interesting. He said a lot of people will turn to the Holocaust as like the first example of how God can't be true or can't be good because why would a good God allow the Holocaust to happen? Um, and he said what's funny is if they've done studies of and interviews of all the survivors of the Holocaust, and remarkably he said only a very small margin of them recanted their faith after that that experience. Um, he actually said that 
there's an astounding number of people that switched from atheism to a religion after experiencing um, those Holocaust mm. um, stories and moments and atrocities. And uh, uh, the him just reporting on this and, re and basically showing that the people that actually underwent these horrors are actually far more likely to deepen their faith than to leave it. Um, and so for people to say, oh, this just proves that uh, God is you know, not a good God or whatever, uh, he seemed to be implying that only people that had not been experiencing those things would say something like that. Because hmm. um, the people that were actually experiencing the pain, only a very small percentage of them were angry at God and did leave the faith. Um, and uh, and of those that did leave, he talked about how he's kind of even skeptical of whether it is really fully leaving, leaving because they were because they he, he said that all of them that like essentially wanted to become atheists still had a lot of anger towards a God they no longer believed in, mm -hmm. you know, and would continue to. Mm talk about God as if he exists as if he existed even though they had become atheists mm -hmm. um, and so it felt like a lot of the points he was making was there's obviously something different about that that kind of suffering yeah when you have experienced it yeah from the outside looking in you, we think that that is a a proof that God can't possibly be mm -hmm. good or powerful or whatever right. it might be. From the outside looking in on that kind of suffering, it looks like an example of a a blow against God. Yeah. But the statistics at least show mm -hmm. that if that is the case, why is it so many people who go through that sort of suffering come out with their faith stronger right uh, or or still intact or unchanged or unchanged yeah. and instead of kind of actually losing it as a result of that yeah um and that's a that's a a question that needs to be yeah and he puts answered and yeah. resolved in a yeah way. he puts in one actual interview in the book which is really interesting where the guy like he it was basically a question did you ever like question why god did this, you know, why God allowed this to happen. Uh, and I don't remember the Jew's name that was being interviewed, but he said, no, we never would question that in, because he was all we had, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, um, it, it was like the pain and suffering of it basically stripped them of everything, but God to the point that to question mm -hmm. God would be to really to just bring in hopelessness um and so you know for him at least i i got a lot out of that interview and in, in the sense that like for him that was the last thing that he had that attached him to humanity in any mm. sense you know to his own humanity um his faith in god yeah. anyway. mm -hmm. and that reminds me of my one of my first personal experiences where i really encountered what I would say is like a, a deeper level of pain and suffering than I mm -hmm. had experienced in my life before was not for me personally, but it was, um, I took a mission trip with a group to the country of Haiti mm. shortly after the, that big massive earthquake that they had had, mm -hmm. I guess it was like 10 years ago now or whatever. Mm. Um, and I was really impacted by that level of poverty and hunger and just everything that was going on in Haiti when I was mm -hmm. driving around just looking at how the people lived, looking at how little they had to live on, looking at how hungry they were, how much disease and sickness and pain they were going through. And what impacted me was going to church for the first Sunday while we were there in Haiti. And we went to this little bitty like cinder block church, dirt floors, you know, nothing like hardly anything there. And I still remember this. I felt you know how sometimes in church you'll hear people sing like praise songs to God and it feels fake, not genuine. Yeah. yeah Cause it's yeah. just like, Oh God, we love you. Mm -hmm. There's this theologian I like who 
has this joke song he sings all the time where she says uh, and he says oh lord god you're so terrific just for you i'd swim the pacific or something like that you know it's like <laughs> it, it that can feel that way in our context mm-hmm. when i was there with them in their church context it was not fake mm-hmm. they were so mm-hmm. much happier than i felt like everybody i knew back home in the states mm-hmm. even though they had nothing yeah. they had more pain they had more suffering they had less of everything Mm -hmm. and their joy felt more authentic and it felt like it truly was in God. Mm -hmm. And I remember me and all the other group that were there was really impacted by this, you know, like they're singing and everything. It like felt real. It felt Mm -hmm. really, you know, joyful. So we all went back and we were trying to talk it through. And one of the guys in our group was just like, I think he kind of said the same thing. He's like, it's cause it's like, that's all they have. Like, it's not like they have wealth or riches or comforts or, anything else Mm -hmm. like that. They literally only have God. Mm -hmm. And so there is just nothing in the way of distracting them (laughs) from God. And that was the first thing I thought of when you were telling, when we were talking earlier Mm -hmm. about that point, you may know about some of those stories from the Holocaust and different things like that. Um, We're nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount, but at the very beginning, Jesus starts with these beatitudes Mm -hmm. and he talks about the type of people who are actually blessed (laughs) And it kind of turns it on its head, and he says, you know, blessed are the poor, <laughs> blessed are yeah. those who mourn, <laughs> blessed are those who long for justice, who hunger for justice. Like, the, the reality that Jesus, that, you know, God sees a little bit from his perspective of mm-hmm. seeing all of it is that sometimes if we don't go through the hard times, then that just means there's going to be way too many things that are going to be in the way between us and God. Mm, yeah. And, um, and that is, uh, he, he would be keeping us from the better thing yeah. basically by doing that. Mm. We've all known people who are like, you know, spoiled kids who've always gotten everything they want. You know, you probably have a friend or somebody you've known who was really rich and their parents gave them everything they wanted, you know, mm-hmm. anything they ever wanted, their parents mm-hmm. just gave it to them. I would venture to say none of us grew up in that uh, situation. <laughs> I assume <laughs> as a child, um, I did. It's yeah. Funny. Yeah. As a child, I would get everything I wanted for Christmas. It, it, mm-hmm. We we tapered off around 2009 is when my dad sold the business and we became kind of poor after that but no as a child and as a I, child you had a little bit of that as a child i had a little bit of well that. and so you might know firsthand but i've seen this with people that i know who are fight, fit into that where they get everything they want all the time those are just worse people to be around sometimes i was you know um <laughs> yeah, the example i think of is uh in in the harry potter books mm-hmm. um harry's uh cousin mm. Um, mm. what's his name? Dudley. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 You know, he's the worst. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, in the movies, at least he's like last year there were 39 presents. Mm-hmm. Now there's only 38. And oh, don't worry. We'll go and we'll get you one more. Mm-hmm. And it's just that sort of spoiled kid who's always gotten everything that they want. Mm-hmm. That's a lesser extent, but we kind of recognize even that truth that like not getting what you want always mm builds character yeah. <laughs> and turns us into better people. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that in our own lives. We know people, mm-hmm. some, some of the people who I think are like some of the most loving, empathetic people that I've ever known are people who I know have gone through some really hard times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's because of all that like suffering and stuff that they've had to go through that they mm-hmm. are just more, <sighs> able to know what matters in life and more able to all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I've heard people um, explain um, their answer for why evil exists in the world Mm -hmm. is so we can know how good God is because Mm -hmm. without evil, what is there to judge what good is? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like a comparison thing. Yeah. It's, it's the idea that, you know, even with, with the good and the bad that happens in life, when we experience bad things or hard times, when we experience those, we appreciate the good that much more. Mm-hmm. When we experience, you know, the times when we are poor and we don't have a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. and then we experience times where we can bless others with our money or be able we to provide. We appreciate it that much we more. Can, we appreciate it. 
rather than the kid who's always grown up getting everything they want, they never appreciate having things because, well, they've always had things. What do you, what do you mean? There's yeah. a reality where things don't have, I don't have things. That's a great example. Uh, no, that's perfect. That <laughs> you said it in like five seconds, what I was trying to say in like five <laughs> minutes, but that that's exactly right. I think we've experienced that a little bit in a smaller sense with COVID and the season we've been in recently. Mm-hmm. How many times do you hear people say, man, I just didn't realize how good we had it. I didn't realize what I was taking for granted. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize getting to go outside and hang out with friends. And something I've heard, I have a lot of musician friends, obviously. They're like, concerts rule. Concerts are awesome. Getting to go to a concert, sit in a room with a whole bunch of people, like sing and sweat and everything all over each mm-hmm. other was an incredible experience. And we kind of took it for granted. And they're all just saying now that... um we're getting kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with a lot of COVID stuff. They were just like, I'm going to enjoy every concert. I'm going to go to every party. I'm going to do all the things that I used to take for granted. And so it can feel simplistic. It can feel dismissive, but I think the, the thing that I've just started to really, really come to terms with is that, um, for whatever reason, the way the world is right now, unless you go through some of those hard times, mm-hmm. you're not going to be the kind of fully formed person that you need to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it, it's, I don't know if it's possible without the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I remember so, you, uh, I mean that verse that you preached on. It yeah. It's Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. Okay. And it talks about the importance of suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just how suffering Breed's character, right? Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. I, I I think that's probably the most powerful uh, point of it is that it, it 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 it's a reshaping of how you think about it. Like, I don't know if you would think about it in the moment, um, like in the moment of you undergoing suffering, that it's like mm-hmm. shaping you in a good way. Um, I, and I don't know if you're necessarily supposed to look. I'm still wrestling through this one. You guys might think of it differently than me, and that's fine. It's just I'm not sure I'm able still to look back at some of my own sufferings and say those were good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see that what they brought out into my life and the character that they developed in me was good, you know? Right. Um, and so while I wouldn't call what happened good, you know, I can see the good that came from it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I guess that's that's helpful in being able to yeah. sort of re rethink about it all. Um, and there is an interesting hope that Lewis has that I've always really loved where he talks about how when you make a decision to follow God and Jesus, um, it's a decision you make in the present, in time. Mm-hmm. But it's also a decision that you make outside of time, which gets really crazy really quickly. <laughs> but it's a decision that defines both your future and your past as well. And when we get to heaven, and he thinks get outside of this limited realm of time, right? get beyond the realm of time, we'll actually begin to see how following Jesus affected and purified and made the things that were awful things in our past purposeful and Mm -hmm. brighter essentially and we'll see our decision to follow god and jesus work backwards into time nullifying a lot of that hurt and bitterness and bringing out those things that we had maybe even the goods that we just kind of took for granted and bringing those up to the forefront and kind of recasting a new perspective on all of our life essentially and i've always just really held on to that hope is that like even if what i'm experiencing now in the present or things in my past that i haven't got over yet that one day when i die that i'll be able to look back on those and say you know that that did help you know yeah i think one of the the big misconceptions is we think the bible promises us all good things once we become Christians. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very clear in, uh, in Romans eight twenty eight, mm-hmm. uh, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Not all things are good, but all things work tor- together for good. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, you don't see exactly how th- some of your struggles were good, mm-hmm. but that's not the promise of the Bible. Right. The promise is what you see. The benefit you got out of that was um, you could you can see that benefit now. You don't necessarily know why that event was so bad and you can't see the good in that specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can definitely tell, well, maybe I grew a little bit from that. Maybe mm-hmm. something in my perspective might have changed. Um, you still wrestle with the anger and um, things from that event. Why did I have to go through that? Right, Why did right, that right, specific right. thing happen? Yeah. Um, and I think that falls along with, with Job. Mm-hmm. God never criticized Job for saying those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, he says them in every chapter, and every chapter ends with, and God did not, and Job did not sin against God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what Romans eight twenty eight yeah. is pointing at. The things may not be good, but they're going to work they together work for good. For good mm-hmm. in the long run, Jesus' suffering was not good, mm-hmm. but it worked for the good. Mm. And that's uh, I'm glad you brought up that verse because I I wanted to bring that up in the sermon and just <laughs> ran out of time and didn't want to like shoehorn it in. And but I think that's a great one to bring up ultimately about a lot of this the promise like you said is not everything is good everything that happens mm-hmm. good and i want to make that extra clear because i think this is what conversations like this have a tendency to do sometimes if you're somebody that's currently going through suffering or has gone through bad things in your life mm. i want to call that what it is mm. and be like yeah that was awful mm-hmm. i'm so sorry you had to go through that um that was painful that was um, horrible and in the grand scheme of things um, that's not what you want and that's not what God wants for you <laughs> you know so it's not that those things were good um, but what one of the freeing hopeful things about the Christian life is that you know that that's not wasted mm-hmm. bad but instead, God promises he's going to take that kind of raw material mm-hmm. and work it together for something good. I was, I was thinking about end. this with uh, the Joker, actually. I think one of the reasons the Joker is so evil is because it's purposeless evil. Yeah. You know? hmm. Like, it's it's chaotic. It's yeah. not... He doesn't have a reason for why he does the things he does. There's he's not no, trying to take over the world. That's why yeah. I, he's not trying yeah, to half the yeah. world's population yeah, or the universe's I population. I don't kind of like the new Joker movie and like what they did with it because I, I've always felt like the comic book character for the Joker is a character that just enjoys evil for the sake of evil, you know, mm-hmm. not someone that has a reason for why they do what they do. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's one of the nice things about trusting in God is that it at least gives a purpose yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to the evils that happen in your life. Um, uh, it's hard to wrestle with sometimes, but um, there's a direction there's a and direction. a reason for a lot there's, of it. There's, a, there's at least some kind of um, thing that you might be able to look back on and see it move you towards something mm-hmm. um, for the good. So, uh, Yeah, and I think that sort of is a major part of what it we as humans we want that we want to have a we want to have reason and logic and purposes for the things that we're trying to do and um that is one of the cool kind of promises of the scriptures is that there's a there's a there's a reason there's a purpose there's something going on there's way more answers we could get into (laughs) oh yeah we uh, you know always have lots of things (laughs) that we could kind of talk about but um our light went out. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Yeah. Our extra mood lighting turned off. If you're listening to the audio podcast, you didn't see that. But uh, one of our lights just turned off, and I think that's our sign that we need to close this out. So um, I appreciate all of you uh, for tuning in. Um, thank you. This is something I, I really say all the time, but I'm super just thankful to anybody who listens, anybody who has uh, been engaging with the stuff we've been doing. Um Thank you for to all of you for tuning in to these deep dive podcasts. If you get a chance, we would love to also see you on our Sunday services as well. We do them Sundays at seven o'clock. Um, you should check them out on TikTok. Jacob's <laughs> been uh, Jacob's been live streaming yeah. them on TikTok. So again, I'm going to do that plug again. 
follow Jacob at bearded underscore Christian. <laughs> it's funny. It fits all of us here at the church for some reason. <laughs> we all have beards. So, it's, so he takes our videos and throws them on there, but oh, yeah. it's, you know, it's Jacob's channel. He's doing some awesome stuff over there. Um, go follow him. Maybe watch this church service on, on live on TikTok oh, uh, yeah. next week. And, We'll get those viewers up. But either way, we're thankful for you tuning in. We hope to see more of you. And we hope to see you uh, this Sunday or next week for our following deep dive. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.